Hey Atari Hackers, welcome to this week's episode. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about ranking new content without building links. I know that link building is either something a lot of people don't want to do, or it's just some finite resource that you can't just do for every single page you're publishing on your site. And so we're going to be talking about these pages where let's say you're out of link building budget of or resources or time or whatever, and you still want to get more organic traffic. How do you do that? That's what we're addressing in this episode. And you will see there is a bunch of sneaky tactics and examples, etc. And if you enjoy that kind of like tactical episodes, don't forget to subscribe, like, and drop us a comment below and tell us what other topic you'd like us to talk about in the podcast. We'll read all the comments and we're really interested in making episodes that you actually care about. So yeah, let us know in the comment section. I'm not going to juice that intro anymore. Let's get started with the episode. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Atari Hacker Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about I know about a topic that I know a lot of you guys care about, and that's how to run your site without spending your time link building. I know that we've talked a lot about link building, we've shared a lot of tactics, but no matter how many tactics we share, a lot of people just want to don't want to do it. They just want to build their websites and they don't want to deal with that. So we've got to like be realistic about this though. I don't want to tell you that you don't need links. Like links are still one of the most important factors when it comes to ranking on Google. And so we're going to have to be a little bit smart walking around it so you can get some of the links metrics that you need, but also target the right keywords and all of that. So it's going to be a lot of like small tactics and I've prepared a bunch of examples as well to show how to do that. But something that has, has been prepared even more than this podcast is how Mark is doing. So how are you doing, Mark? What have you prepared for, for today? Uh, a, a little <laughs> dance maybe or something like this? As, no? as always, Gail, I've spent hours days even preparing to answer this this very question no not much to be honest what is how is it going fine i guess we've been uh working on really a lot of projects at the moment uh really pushing two sites very very hard right now hiring quite a few new people and we're also sneak peek redesigning authority hacker not a full redesign not a rebranding just a redesign yeah so let's just say when we made the last version, I think a lot of the colors and elements and, and things are nice. Just how we organize them on the page and the cohesiveness of it could be improved somewhat. So we found a designer that we really like. We've created the design and we are currently almost finished building it. Yeah. So excited to launch that and see what you guys think. Just be honest, you just saw Income School redo the homes page, so you wanted to redo yours as well, right? That's what happened. Did not see them do that, but uh, if you say so, I'll take your word yeah, for it. Yeah. I mean, they've just redone the homepage almost, so it's not it's not a big redesign, but uh, uh, yeah. But anyway, the new design should be cool. Hopefully, it doesn't work any with any issues. Can't guarantee that. We know how these things work when you roll these big changes on your site. Uh, hopefully, rankings will be okay. I think they will be okay. I'm not too worried. Like we've done a bunch of changes as well. We've changed Java recently, and so on, without any issues. But you know how this works, right? It's like. It goes well 95% of the time, and 5% of the time, unforeseen consequences of things you do happen. But that's not what people came here for. So we should go into what people came here for, which is essentially, how do I get a bunch of traffic without spending my days link building? And so we're going to be talking about that because, yeah, it's really a big issue. Like, I mean, I've been looking at like our channel analytics, etc. And anytime the thumbnail has like no link building, People like the, the click through rate goes goes super high. So I can imagine a bunch of people uh, don't want to build links. And so, uh, as I said in the intro, it's something that you're going to have to temper as well because 
it's not because we don't want to build links that we shouldn't have links. Like if your competitors are building links on queries and you have no competitive advantage here, they will outrank you. Like it's just, there's no way around that. And it has to be said and you've got to pace your expectations. So, you know, we're going to try to like be sneaky and dodge around and get more value out of the links you have, et cetera, in today's episode, rather than trying to tell you there's a magic world where you don't need to ever build links basically. Go ahead. I would also, I was also add to that. If you are building a crap load of links, then you should still pay attention and listen because there's no, some really don't. good. No, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was like, am I, am I, am I at the right podcast recording yeah, thing? No, 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 then you should still pay attention because there's a ton of really good like keyword research and just tactics on getting more bang for your buck out of what you're already doing. And I think sites and site owners who can't won't or don't build links have to resort to these tactics in order to make progress. And so there's no reason you can't use them too. I actually think eventually as the market becomes more competitive, it's not the case now, but you will need to both do these smart tactics and build links. You know, it's like, it's kind of this like as competitiveness increases, that's the kind of stuff where it's like, well, you can do one or the other right now, but eventually you'll probably need to do a bit of both to actually get some results. But uh, let's start with the first one, which is going to be mostly addressed to people starting websites and not starting on an expired domain. I'm actually, I was editing the video before we started recording the podcast, Mark, where I've made a video on uh, picking expired domains, what we're looking for, what tools we're using, like uh, how we pick them up, etc. It might be released at the time at which this podcast is coming out. So you can go and check on our channel. We put a card, uh, I guess here, the editor's going to kill me again. It, it won't be. <laughs> it's going to be next week. Okay, well, at sometime soon then you get you get that video but like I subscribe it, it's a it's a 14 15 minutes video where I show like exactly the tools exactly what to look for exactly what metrics exactly everything but I must say that I've been quite impressed with uh, expired domains in the past like two years I think you know where it started is when we did this uh, alpha investors review and they built that site for us and, and it's funny because in the in the review I'm like ah oh, they picked some keywords that I don't think that site is gonna rank for because of my experience I usually used to build sites on like fresh domains and it actually ended up ranking for these keywords. I think the keyword was like how to install a urinal or something, something very sexy. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and the site the site is ranking for it despite the fact that no link building was done for it at the time. Uh, and it was like number one for that keyword. And you can pick up DR like twenty to forty sites with like you know a hundred, two hundred linking root domains for like less than a thousand dollars. If you play your cards correctly, it doesn't mean you'll find exactly the site, the domain you want in exactly the niche at exactly that time, but you can find a domain that is pretty clean, has some interesting links. And what it does is like in a lot of niches, the R2240, you can do some damage already. You can build a profitable site just putting content on that domain. And I think that's kind of the, the strength of people for people who don't want to build links and can like out niche flexible, I would say. They're willing to just go for the niche where they find a good domain for. That's one way of running sites. And I think it's it's quite viable, to be honest. And I like also that, you know, usually the first year on the fresh domain, it's pretty shit, regardless of how much link building you do, etc. Whereas on these expired domains, it's usually pretty fast. So I quite like it. And yeah. How about if you already, let's say you're a year or two into your site, can you just buy another expired domain with a bunch of links and 301 redirect them? Uh, that's actually one point that comes later. <laughs> you can do that. It's it's a tricky one because 
If you just like buy a domain and then wildcard redirect, which means like every URL of the site redirects to like the homepage. That's kind of the lazy way. You buy an expired domain, you're like, oh, I don't have time to take care of this. You wildcard redirect to your homepage. From my experience, doesn't do that much. Like, you know, it's going to bump your DR, but you won't see much else. So usually this kind of stuff works when you also have some like salvageable content on that domain and you're able to redirect the old page to the same page on your site. Maybe go get the content on like archive.org, et cetera, and then, then that can work. And uh, for example, Kevin, I remember like a couple of years ago from Epic Gardening, he told me he actually reached out to a site and offered to buy them for like a thousand bucks, right? Or something like it's like uh, nothing. And from just moving the content to his site and doing the redirect, he got an extra 100,000 visits per month, which, you know, like paid for itself in like a week of ads right or something like something like ridiculous like that. So I don't think you'll, you'll find these kind of deals very often. Uh, these are quite rare. So let's let's be realistic here in expectations. But yeah, you can do that. It, it is quite a bit of work. You know, when I talked about like deploying the new design on Authority Hacker and we're going to have to be careful on the technicalities, etc. It's a bit of that as well. When you buy an old site, you move the content, you like sometimes the content is kind of shit as well. So maybe you want it to be rewritten or something or you need to kind of like resurfer it or like, oh, so it's, it, it is a pretty big SEO task, but from the right domain, it's possible. Now finding a domain that is exactly matching your niche with some content you're happy with that you can redirect, etc. It's pretty rare, right? It's like, so it's kind of like, it's going to be a time thing. So either you're niche flexible and you start a site on whatever you find a good domain on and, and crosses with a good niche or a good affiliate offer, or you, you know, looking at the market, I do that every month. I spend like a couple hours going through the market and just bidding on some domains. And if some, if I get something, I get something. If I don't, I don't. But like over time, it's kind of like buying a house really. Like, you know, it, you need to give it time so that the, it cycles through domains, etc. But it's really powerful. I really quite like expired domains now. And to be frank, if I start new sites, the problem is like, as I said, you don't always find the right domain. So you kind of need to, can, to, to do that check every like two, two weeks to a month to try to build up your catalog of uh, domains, you know? But if you do, it's a great place to start and you can really do quite well here. And I like it. And you don't have to build links. Like you can rank literally without building any link and just build the sites, which is quite nice. I would expect that I'm going to be updating tasks to show, to do a full tutorial on picking up expired domains uh, sometime next year. So actually, just because I think, uh, I think it's something that some people might be enjoying. So that's essentially the first one. Don't build links, just buy them from expired domains. Can I also domain. ask, if you're not finding them yourself, I mean, where are you going to find to expire domains? You're making me spoil the entire video, but uh, there's basically three places you can go. If you want to go like the cheapest of the cheapest of finding expired domain, but doesn't make much sense because it takes a lot of time, just go on the GoDaddy auctions for expired domains. You need to still pay five bucks per year to uh, be able to bid on domains, but you can see them without paying. Uh, so you could just purchase that five bucks whenever you have a domain. But the metrics are, are freaking terrible. It's the worst interface ever, GoDaddy. Like they give you traffic estimates, etc., but it's full bullshit. It's like it's worse than Alexa or something like this. So don't even bother. My favorite way of doing this is using a tool called Spamzilla because there is like a full interface with like Ahrefs data. They have like some kind of like spam score as well. You can sort out the spam domains. You can see the drop history. You can see all of that. And I think it's like $37 per month or something. So I think it's kind of like if you're going to be dropping, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars buying some domains, I mean, 37 bucks a month is not that crazy if it's going to save you hours per month just scouting for domains. So provided you actually do your homework and use it, 
it's good value. And then if you just don't want to be bothered, you just want like to be shown good domains and not filter, then there is odys.global and there is juicemarket.com, which are like kind of like premium expired domain marketplaces with like branded, etc. And Odys even like builds a site for you if you want. And that's okay, but like, you know, a domain that I would probably pay like $800 to $1,000 for on like GoDaddy that I found on like Spamzilla would probably sell for like three to five grand on like Odys, for example. So, you know, you need to be willing to pay that premium for the hassle-free version of it, or you just go and do your own research. And you find, I find like more options going through Spamzilla than I find through Odys, even though the old domains are good, like... I often struggle to like match it with like a business model you could do or like what you would do with that domain. And because what's really important when you pick up an expired domain is that the old site was as close as possible to um to the new one. Actually, John Mueller, John Mueller did an interview, like he answered questions on the webmasters like hangout or something in 2020. And some guy was like, Oh, are you guys resetting domains on drop domains, right? And John Mueller was like, Well, actually, when a lot of businesses change hand. People let the, like they don't realize they can transfer the domain, so they let the domain expire, and the guy who bought it just like kind of like rebuys it right away. And so as a result, if we were resetting links, it would trigger a lot, a lot of false positives when like they legitimate changes of ownerships of the same domain, and you want them to still rank. And so they're like, well, so usually like we don't do that unless the new site is completely different from the old site. Then we're pretty good at figuring this out. Um, but that essentially what he admitted is that provided your, the new site is very close to what the old site was, you're probably fine and you're going to keep the equity, the link equity, et cetera. So that's, that's what he came up with. And I think that was quite interesting. I was surprised that I was surprised to see that people didn't read into that. People just like read the words, et cetera, read the search engine journal article, et cetera. But yeah, he basically admitted that they will not touch the link equity. And that's what we observe when we pick up an expired domain and we build a site in the same niche. Uh, on it, it ranks much faster. It doesn't need milding, etc. So, yeah, expired domain. Any other question on this? No. Continue. All right. The next one is building hubs going nuts on internal links. So, again, if you're not going to be building links, provided you have some level of authority, if you have zero links to your domain, you know, internal links of zero to zero, it's just going to do zero. Like, you need some authority. But if you like what we do on our sites is we tend to build a hub page that crystallizes most of our link building efforts. So we just need to link build one page and it can target a big keyword. And I'm going to show you an example in a second that is pretty interesting. And then that page then links out to other subdomains. And so the example I have here is on security.org. So the editor is going to put that, but I put the link for you, Mark, where they, they actually rank number one on the feature snippet for best VPN as DR74, which is pretty low for that industry. So good job to them. But what you also see when you open that page is that below the traditional like comparison table, they have VPN guys and you, have, they see that you see they have VPN for streaming, VPN for torrenting, VPN for gamers, VPN for cheap. That's a bit, uh, I would say cheap VPNs instead, but whatever. VPNs for Chrome, et cetera, et cetera. So they basically link out to, you know, sub keywords of best VPN. And that's so that best VPN page is the top of their hub, and then they kind of have the other sub pages that are below that. And if you look at how they've done their link building, so you open it in Ahrefs, and you, uh, I've given you the report as well, we'll show it on your screen if you're watching, you will see that they've basically link built two pages. They've built their best VPN page, and they've link built their free VPN page. But then if you look at the traffic of all the pages that are interlinked in that silo, you will see that 
a lot more of these pages, despite the fact that they have very few links for that niche. I mean, you know, if you look at, for example, you know, they rank between six and one for like best VPN for Windows, right? Which, you know, Ahrefs estimates 2,378 traffic to that page. That's pretty cool. They make good money from this, right? If I look at how many links they have to that page, they have three linky root domains, right? For such a competitive affiliate keywords. And that is a perfect example of that hub strategy that I'm talking about. Build that hub page that crystallizes all your link juice and then just have quality internal linking with anchor text. So you can see that on their page, these are like just plain text links with the exact anchor text to pass as much relevancy as possible. And they are able through that to rank for extremely competitive, very high paying affiliate keywords. I mean, that base VPN for Windows page probably could be making five figures a month, just that one page, you know? So that shows you a really good example. And the total linking root domains they have for this and given the size of the niche, is really not that high. I mean, you're looking at, I mean, the top page based VPN has 169 in domains, free VPN 67, then everything else is like 12, 8, 6, 5, 6, 4, 4, 3. Like this is nothing, you know? So I'm not saying that there's nothing shady behind it. I did not find anything shady, but if you do, let us know in the comments, I guess. <laughs> Teach me a bit. But otherwise, yeah, it shows you exactly how this quality internal linking, also the perfect siloing in the URLs and everything, pays dividends when you do it properly. And so if you don't want to build too many links, obviously if you are in a much less competitive niche than VPN, which is very likely because VPN outside is like top five most competitive niches, you can get a lot of bang for your buck with just a few links and a proper siloed website. And so please emulate what these guys are doing because I think that's a really good example of what people should do if they don't want to build too many links. Any comments on that? I think it's a really good example actually, this example. Question. So security.org has the like forward slash VPN, forward slash best. It's all kind of like siloed in, in that way. Yeah. If a site does not currently have that, is there any circumstance where they should switch to that or should you always stick with what you started with? Uh, it's, I mean, honestly, like the, the value of that is hard to prove because a given site is always one or the other and very few people switch. So it's like, unless some huge site decides to just swap that, it's very hard to like. Why demonstrate. do few people switch? Uh, because obviously, if you change your URLs, you like you have to redirect your old ones to your new ones. Otherwise, your old links basically just expire. They link to a 404. Links to 404 basically don't count. And so, historically, redirects have been diluting link juice a bit, right? So it's like you would lose maybe like five or ten percent. How to tell? But your mad cuts would say that at the time. Recently, in more recent history, Google has said they don't dilute, they don't dilute link juice through redirects. I believe the reason for that is because they forced everyone to move to HTTPS. And when you move to HTTPS, you redirect the HTTP version of your site to HTTPS. Therefore, they would have diluted the entire internet by forcing SSL certificates, right? And so like, I, I can see why Google was like, well, okay, maybe that's not a good rule. But still, like, if you're, I would say if you're a classic SEO, you would probably try to avoid these redirects because inherently like it you still get that feel that it's not just it's just not as good as like directly linking to your page right that's why for example when there's more like google is quite interesting because they say well we don't dilute uh, link juice or like link equity or page rank through redirects but if you have too many redirects in a row they'll tell you hey be careful <laughs> so you know you're like well which one is it you know um and therefore even one redirect does feel suboptimal especially in these extremely competitive uh like a markets, et cetera. Like I've changed URLs on several posts, even on Atari Hacker several times. 
95% of the time we land back exactly where we were. But you again, you have that 5% odd chance when something weird happens or like Google reprocesses your page and redecides that it actually should rank lower or even higher sometimes. And therefore, I tend to not be a fan of changing URLs, even though if you follow the modern world of Google, it should be fine. It's also hard to demonstrate the value of that, like hard siloing. That's what we call it. Like soft siloing would just be like having, you know, the keyword in a URL and just internal linking. Whereas hard siloing would be like, you know, doing these VPN best torrenting type thing like they have on security.org. Very, very hard to tell how good it is. I would suggest people stick with what they have. We have sites that have both and we have sites that rank for both. But for example, the Gov site we sold was like hard siloed like that as well, right? And we built it. Um, there is tutorials in Notary Hacker actually in TAS. I show how to do both actually. But the thing is, usually when you do these kind of hard silos, you need to manage your content on pages. And it's a little bit more inconvenient than managing through posts, but you gain the ability to edit directly like a page the content of like these other pages. So for example, you know, security.org slash VPN slash best slash torrent slash torrenting. But slash VPN slash best is their best VPN. They can edit that as well. Whereas if it was a category on WordPress, you know, editing category pages on WordPress is a pain in the ass. It's like unless you, you do something, it's terrible. You need to do redirects, etc. It's also it's also shit. So it really depends what you want. I don't think one is better than the other. I usually just tell people to choose. Some niches I prefer soft silo, some niches I prefer hard silo. For example, the current test site is very, very good for hard siloing, just because everything is like subcategorized uh, and it's very easy to classify. But some niches, things maybe belong to two or three categories. And if they do, you tend to prefer soft siloing so that you can put the same post in multiple categories and internally it from that. So the answer is it depends. <laughs> <laughs> it always depends. <laughs> so that's all of these for that, right? But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm curious to hear also what people think about it. But it's hard for me to give a tangible tangible proof that one is better than the other. So it's it's usually a feel for the niche and which one would work better. Okay, so that's basically the hubs. Now let's talk about um, the next one, which is if you want to rank for without building links, find sites that have very few links and are ranking and copy their keywords. So. Whenever I, all the time, pretty much, I have the Ahrefs extension activated. So whenever I Google a keyword, I see the DR of sites, right? So anytime I use Google, I see the DR of sites. And very often I Google stuff related to the niches we work in, etc. Anytime I see a DR less than 20 sites, it goes in my notes every single time. And whenever we are at a point where we have you know, decent content production resources, but you know, link building struggling is bottlenecked. They're working on other things, etc. I pull out these really low DR sites that I saw on page one of Google, and I go and check their top pages in Ahrefs, and I'm able to queue content for writers that will not require any link building and grow my traffic. Now, depends on how you monetize, right? If you don't monetize with ads, for example, and you monetize only with affiliate, it's a bit more tricky because usually it's more rare to find affiliate keywords that are also very low competition, etc. But overall, if you just take this habit of having a little notepad or something or like a note on your desktop or something and copy and paste the URLs of any site that's below the R20 that you see on page one of Google and go and check their top keywords or top pages rather, I prefer that. You will very often find uh, topics that you can write about where you don't need any links. Now, that is also a word of warning. When I say that on the podcast, a bunch of people are going to do that now. And so the word of warning is 
you probably should try to get beyond DR20 with your own site so that people don't do that to you because otherwise you're painting a target on your back by being a low DR site that has pretty good traffic. Actually, that golf site that we worked on, remember at the beginning when it started growing, it was DR3 and we were getting like quite a lot of traffic. And I was like, oh shit, people are going to copy the shit out of it. We really need to grow the DR just for that. And it's like, there was link building campaigns that were just for the sake of growing the DR so that copycats don't follow us. Uh, but that's something you need to be aware of when you're ranking for good competitive affiliate keywords and your authority is low. That is the benchmark a lot of people who do keyword research use. And therefore you can dequalify yourself from being a target by just, you know, running, you know, DR boost campaigns, basically. Any questions on that? This one is simple, right? Okay, so now let's jump on to the next point, which is writing for zero search volume keywords. And uh, the more I go in SEO, the less I give a shit about search volume. It's kind of, uh, kind of how it goes. Yes. So income school were right then. We shouldn't use ever use keyword tools because they're inaccurate. Yeah, for sure. No, not really. It's kind of the same as like, if anything is not 100% accurate, you shouldn't use it, which is pretty much everything in life, right? If you go and, I don't know, if you wear your seatbelt and it doesn't protect you 100% of the time when there's a car accident, should you never wear a seatbelt? Exactly. Are you asking me or is exactly. that a rhetorical question? It's, it's a rhetorical question. What I'm saying is like it's not because things are not 100% accurate that they're not useful. And that's definitely the case with keyword tools. I don't think it's like zero search volume doesn't mean that it doesn't help. And overall, I find the traffic metric you get from keyword tools, even though you've made a video showing that they're not that accurate, being a lot more interesting for me because really any given page ranks for hundreds of keywords. So looking at that one keyword doesn't make much sense. And so this traffic metric that you get from keyword tools instead gives you the um, total amount of traffic a page might be getting. I mean, the estimate that the tool makes across all the long tail keywords that page ranks for. And that means that it's going to be much more accurate than search volume, for example. And so, but the thing is like, I would say 80% of SEOs still do keyword research based on search volume. So you kind of like dodge the crowds by going from these, for these zero search volume keywords. And, and especially when you get to like the lower end of search volume, they tend to be more inaccurate. Like if you're comparing like a thousand to 10,000 or even like 5,000 to 50,000, okay, that's, that's fair enough. Like you get a good idea. But like when you're comparing like a hundred to zero, it actually means almost nothing. Like these, these tools are not that accurate and you can't really trust them. So I actually have an example that I did. So I went on Ahrefs and I searched for deadlift. And I put traffic volume, sorry, zero to one. Therefore, like I was looking for search volume zero, but they didn't let me put two times zero. And I put keyword difficulty maximum five. So I was looking for something very simple. And I only had like 20 keywords left. And the one, one of the interesting keywords that I found was how to recover from deadlift back pain. And I popped that keyword in the Keyword Explorer, you know, zero to 10 search volume, I think keyword difficulty one or something like this. But then you look at the traffic number of the top ranking pages and it's in the thousands, right? It's like a lot, they're getting a lot of long tail traffic. And, you know, these are very low DR size that are ranking. You see like three or four, let me just check actually. I see number one is DR36, number three is DR3, number six is DR16, number seven is DR7, number 10 is DR1, right? So we're talking, I mean, DR1 is like, I don't think even if we build the site and we build no link, I think after six months, it's, it's still more than DR1, you know, like uh, it's very hard to be DR1 for a long time. So it shows you like how uncompetitive that keyword is. Now, obviously, a DR1 doesn't get like thousands of traffic. It gets 87. 
But you know that DR3 <laughs> gets 1,173 traffic. And that's like a really good keyword if you're either monetizing with ads or if you're selling like info products. But also you could sell products here. Like, you know, you probably need to like a foam roll or something like this to actually like do like uh, the, all the exercises that you need to recover from that pain and like reduce it. And you can sell that as an affiliate. And so like that shows you that I'm able to dodge the crowd of something that's pretty difficult. I mean, fitness is not exactly the simplest niche. There's so many sites, et cetera. And we're finding very, very easy keywords without even trying. That's the first one I checked, literally. So that shows you the power of like zero search volume keywords. Nobody's really looking at them. And I think you can get quite good traffic writing about these topics that everyone is ignoring, basically. So that's basically my next one. How do you avoid that? I mean, if the other ones are on the, pay, on the first page, you can rank, basically. Any comments on this one? No. All right. The next one that I'm going to show you is going to be interesting, and I'm going to also have an interesting example. And that's writing about topics that quote unquote get links naturally. Now, I know you're probably rolling your eyes like behind your head at this point when I say that, and I understand that. Most content does not get links naturally. It doesn't. So it's like, I don't care what Google says or what Matkus says, etc. But some does. And I think it's fair to give that kind of credit to that. And that credit to that kind of content and that said that it's possible. And a good example of that that you might have heard of is statistics content, right? If you write content that people will refer to when they write content, it's kind of like meta, you know, then you will be collecting links and statistics content works really well. And my example for this one is actually Backlinko, Brian Dean. Very impressive SEO stats. I mean, 500,000 organic according to Ahrefs, DR89, Really, really impressive for an SEO, probably the biggest SEO log. He has more traffic than Moz now or something, like it's crazy. But what's interesting is like, now that he's kind of like at the top, how does he grow? How does he get a lot of links? And you know, when you put Backlinko in Ahrefs, sure, you find all his blog posts, etc. but you'll find some interesting statistics pages. So for example, Brandon has a page called Instagram users with all the stats for how many people use Instagram, how many people log in every day, etc. Nothing to do with SEO, right? And you'll be like, well, Instagram is kind of social media, it's kind of the same, etc. Well, okay, but he has the same page for WhatsApp. How is that related? It's not even a social media, it's a messaging app, right? And he also does that to collect links. And that page has 418 linking root domains, right? So it's it's a pretty good link on the site. Not as big as his biggest blog post, to be honest. Uh, but you'll still be like, well, that's kind of digital, et cetera. And like, that's kind of like communication, marketing, you could argue, et cetera. Okay, he has the same page for Roblox. Do you know what Roblox is, Mark? I don't know. <laughs> I would be worried if you were, if you knew, but I knew, so you should be worried. Roblox is actually a, a game kids play, like literally like six years old kids play online, right? It's kind of like Fortnite for younger kids even. And Brandon has a page with all the Roblox stats, for example. That page doesn't, I mean, has 257 linky root domains, so same. It's a huge link earner for, for him and, uh, and he's scaling the shit out of this. I found more than 50 pages like that on Backlinko, including one with Bumble users, for example, as well, where it's like the dating app as well. This one, you, I don't know if you know, be careful, your, watch, your wife might be, uh, might be watching. It was coming out right at the end of my single year, yeah, so uh -huh. I'm not, not too familiar with it, unfortunately. I never used any of these either, but uh, I know what it is from talking to single friends. But anyway, he does that as well. So I think the argument of like, oh, it's kind of related to SEO, etc. I think we're past that at this point. 
Brandon has found his niche. He's just writing, he's just writing a bunch of statistics posts. And that's a way for him to scale link building without doing outreach, I believe, and just leveraging his DR89 site. And he ranks naturally for it. And then he just gets links passively. That's what he does. And that is, you can do that on smaller niches, right? Obviously, he's doing it for the big, big stuff. But if you're doing something like, let's say you have a blog about Siamese cats or paintball. Let's say paintball because we love the paintball gun, right? I think if you wrote a blog post about paintball stats or like how many people play paintball uh, in the world or are licensed to a club or something like this, et cetera, I think whenever a journalist writes about that, and it's pretty easy to rank for that, like I'm pretty sure there's zero competition, you would be getting links. And, and I'm not saying it's going to be your entire link building strategy, but it is going to be one of the pillars of it and it's going to earn you pa links passively without doing it. And you don't have to do link building when you do that. You just need to build a page. So trying to brainstorm ideas for these kind of statistics pages is a really good idea for people who don't want to be building links. So that is the next tactic. Actually, that's the last one because you, you you spoiled my Question last one. Question on that. Yeah. Do you need to... So Brian Dean's obviously, when he writes posts, there's a very good chance he's going to be number one for it just because his yeah. DR is so massive. It's the smiley. And if you're you know, perhaps not such an established site, can you reliably use that tactic or you know, you're not necessarily going to rank number one organically and therefore pick up organic links from it when people are searching and look at the number one result? I mean, what I think is like you can always find keywords that would work. So like I think if you have a DR20 paintball site, you can rank number one for paintball statistics or something. Like you don't need a big site. You, you can be DR1. But you don't need a big site at all. It's quite easy. And then you could brainstorm like subtopics of that. So like, for example, I know because I've done so many examples on paintball, like Tipman is one of the paintball gun, uh, paintball gun brands. You could write something about Tipman statistics or something like that, or like a brand, uh, like kind of like uh, ID thing or whatever. And you could, you could potentially get links to that, et cetera. So you can kind of like niche down on these things. Obviously, the smaller the topic, the less links you're going to get, right? So the problem then is like how many links is that going to yield? So you need to kind of find that balance between like how large the topic is and what is your likelihood of, likelihood of ranking. Um, but if you do that, I think most sites can do something about it and, and can do that, especially if you combine that with these zero search volume keywords, because especially for that, you're not looking for a lot of traffic. You're looking for traffic from people writing articles in your niche, and it's not a lot of people. So forget about search volume. If you see the keyword pop in Ahrefs and it's zero search volume, write that statistics keyword. You might get links over time. One thing that I want to note as well is if you want this to work better, you probably need to update this page once a year or something with the new stats and so on. If the page is old, you're less likely probably to be picked up. And if you update it once a year, you're also more likely to kind of like bump up in ranking year after year, you know, and eventually conquer that number one spot. So Brandon does it for the big guys, like for Instagram, Roblox, etc. You know, Roblox is like one of the biggest uh, games in the world, etc. It's fucking crazy, really? actually. Yeah. Never heard of it before. <laughs> so that's basically all my tactics. You spoiled the last one where I said buy competitors and redirect the sites. So same as like expired domains. So you spoiled that one. But that is pretty much the tactics I wanted to share with people on you know, not not building links and building sites instead. And I think, especially if you start with an expired domain and you don't pick a too big niche, it's quite possible to make it happen. But know that as things get more difficult, you will have to dabble with link building, even if it's not a huge part of what you do, basically. So 
that's basically it. Any final words of wisdom? No. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode. If you enjoy it, don't forget to thumb up, subscribe, like, comments, all of that. And we'll see you in two weeks for another episode. Bye. Mm-hmm.